0: For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make?
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the show where myself, Dan Selge, of WinnersComing.net and Cheryl Watson, of Cultures.com talk all things Game of Thrones, Song by Some Fire, Fantasy, Sci-Fi, Genre Fiction. How are you, Cheryl?
3: I am here, Dan.
2: Good to hear it. And thanks for joining us, everybody. Hello, Terry, Sue, Joanne, Michael, Kathleen. You came in a good day, people, because there is a lot of Game of Thrones news to go over. Um... Entertainment Weekly from James Hibbard done Blown Open the Gates on the news cycle. He had a huge story all about what's coming in season eight. We're here to talk about that. We learned about the prequels. We're here to talk about that. I'm angry about The Walking Dead. We're here to talk about that. We got more Song and Dan and Josh. Later, we're here to do that. It was a big week. Yes. It was a big week for Game of Thrones news. We got a lot of new information here. Okay, uh, I'm ready. M- yes. Like David Minor, can't wait for the new season from Nebraska. I can't either. I will say, hey, Julie, says hi to Dan and Cheryl. Christina, Amy, everybody. Um, So, James Hibbert's EW article kind of, like, charged my enthusiasm. You know, it's been a while since the new episode of Game of Thrones came on, but just all that nice information, on-set perspective, has a great way of Mm. making me more interested. So, let's get into some of the stuff that James Hibbert reported from the set of Game of Thrones Season 8. Because, if you guys don't know, James Hibbert is, like, the Entertainment Weekly Westeros war correspondent. He gets all the exclusive scoop on the show because they let him on the set and let him talk to them. And he always comes back with good, good stuff.
3: He's an extremely lucky duck. Okay. And we're jealous of him.
2: So let's start with he basically described the opening episode and he said some really cool stuff about it. So let me read a bit of what he wrote. Lay it on me. Okay. Season 8 opens at Winterfell with an episode that contains plenty of callbacks to the show's pilot. Instead of King Robert, instead of King Robert's procession arriving, it's an Aris and her army. What follows is a thrilling, intense intermingling of characters, some of whom have never previously met, many of whom have messy histories, as they all prepare to face the inevitable invasion of the Army of the Dead. I really like the idea of kind of opening the final season premiere with a callback, but a callback that makes perfect sense um, to the first episode. And Richard just flashed the first photo they mm-hmm. released, which I just bulldozed right over. You did? A little uh, bit. It's okay. E- EW did release the first photo from the show. Or it is an on-set thing. Endgame. John Daenerys in their season eight finery. Looking great. A- any thoughts on that, Cheryl?
3: Uh, fans on Twitter did notice that Daenerys now has more red in her coat she instead totally of She has more in her coat. Black, which... I mean, I definitely had some symbolism chat about that because I mean, John is in Targaryen black, so it makes sense that, hello, Jon Snow,
2: what's up, boo? Your um, hair's so tight.
3: Her, yeah, like
2: it's a serious time.
3: I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting a tension headache, like in sympathy. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, she's got the red, he's got the black. And they also kind of, you know, visually contrast each other in a bunch of other ways, too. You know, with the dark hair, light hair, that sort of thing. I
2: will say, I I, I thought that the runs on her coat are in red, not black.
3: Uh that's what I said. That they're in red. Oh,
2: that's said they were black. I'm uh, same.
3: They used to be black. They I they, were, they were just white. She had black stripes in her All coat. Right. She's last made season. them red. Yeah. So they've they've become more reddish.
2: I mean, that coat is like the fashion moment from the last season, right? Yes. Like Daenerys in that white coat going north. Yeah. And she's upgraded it, has some red in there. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a cool photo. And again, it just gets me hyped for the end is here. The the final hype train has left the station. I can see the promotion going up from now on. And of course she does look great. Yes and John looks fine too. But I don't know. I think her coat's more interesting than his.
3: It's true. I also like how John respectfully has her hand, his hand like above, <laughs> like it's on her waist. It's like good job, John. You're a gentleman.
2: Julie wonders who Danny's designer was, and I believe. Her name is uh, Michelle Clapton. Yes. The costume designer in Game of Thrones. She's really freaking talented, done a lot of great stuff. You know, Cersei is kind of battle gown she wears to get crowned, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And she's been at the show for a long time. And I'm sure she designed that. I love Michelle Clapton.
3: Yeah. The first name that came to mind was Michelle McLaren. And I was like, nope, that was a director.
2: Yes. Yes, it was.
3: (laughs) Nope.
2: But yeah, it looks great. Okay. Back to the, uh, thanks Richard for being quick in the draw with that. Yes. Uh first To episode. the first episode of the show. Okay. okay. So basically, it's going to mirror Robert Baratheon coming to Winterfell in the very first episode of the show, the series premiere, Winter is Coming, .net. Um, <laughs> well, you know, he comes, he greets all the Starks, they're all in a line for him. Mm-hmm. It's an, a hugely important moment, and I, I love the idea of it, the show circling back to it. I, I can see it, right, with Daenerys and her retinue, you know, Jorah and Tyrion and Grey Masande and everybody else coming and kind of taking the place of the Hound and Joffrey and Cersei and Jaime. And they're greeting, you know, what's left of the Starks, basically Sansa, Bran, and uh, Arya together. Everyone else they've collected at Winterfell over the years. Like, you know, Lyanna Mormont and uh, uh, Lord Glover and uh, Lord Eon Royce. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I love that parallelism. How does that strike you? Yeah.
3: I'm I'm intrigued by it. I will now say that the over-under of the season eight premiere being named Winter is Here, like, Ooh. it just got...
2: We don't we, know that, though, We don't
3: right? know just that, sure. but, like, it is now way more likely, guys. Probably, um, yeah. Like, if they're gonna be like, oh, it's Winter is Here! Everyone's like, oh my god! And we're gonna be like, we knew it.
2: Or how about just Winter?
3: Eh, they don't really do a <laughs> lot of one word titles though
2: But they could They could Home That was an episode Where Jon Snow Came back to life uh,
3: Home Baylor Oh Baylor Um, Hard home Blackwater
2: There and you that, go that's So like, I can They think of, do several
3: <laughs> I can think of four Out of how many Episodes Dragonstone Dragonstone Okay But all of those Stormborn are... You can stop Anytime now Dan
2: Um, Eastwatch <laughs> Bust it
3: yeah okay um but the thing is like it seems like they save it for really momentous things and just saying winter doesn't kind of evoke something big like winter is here is saying something sure and winter is just like ho-hum if you will
2: i think it has an understated elegance to it but we'll see by the way, uh, Julie, <laughs> Julie corrects me. Not the GOT designer, Danny's designer. So not who made her costume. <laughs> who made her costume in universe? Oh. And in that case, I got no clue. It was
3: Danny. She dipped it in the blood <laughs> of her pose.
2: <laughs> exactly. She just <laughs> in her spare time, she just knits herself a cool new outfit. Yeah, yeah. That's totally where what happens. Bag.
3: Totally what happened. But no, I, I'm excited about that.
2: I, I think it shows foresight. I think it shows. You know, I I, I love it when in a natural way, something that happened early in the season, or or, or or really in any story, kind of echoes later in it. I think that's a sign of good storytelling, like, reflexive things. And I, I don't like it when it's obvious, or when they're, like, making a callback just to do it for fan service. But in this case, it makes perfect sense. Daenerys is coming back, she is the queen, The like Robert was the king. She would arrive at Winterfell and do the whole thing. So th- yeah. that, I think, is, is a good move.
3: So no one's gonna be like, that's Jamie Lannister, the queen's brother?
2: No, they'll be like, that's uh, Jorah Mormon, the Queen's hag.
3: That's Tyrion Lannister, the Queen, <laughs> the queen. <laughs> Jamie Lannister's brother. It's perfect. Okay. We've done All it. Right. We've written the script for them.
2: All right. Anyway, All right. so that's going to be cool. Yes. Um, we also got, they talk about, you know, an enormous action scene coming, of course. I have no doubt they will have something spectacular involved there mm-hmm. with Peter Dinklage basically saying that's going to make Battle of the Bastards look like a theme park. All for that. Um, they also gave a justification, Benioff and Weiss, for why they're ending the show now rather than taking it a little longer. Like, I think we would all kind of want it to. Just tell me if you agree with this reasoning from, uh, let see, I think it's Benioff. We want to stop where we, the people working on it and the people watching it, both wish it went on a little longer. There's the old adage of always leave them wanting more, but also things start to fall apart when you stop wanting to be there. You don't want to F it up for a uncensored um, game of thrones talk consider joining the wick club where we swear like sailors and talk about things we can't talk about here
3: i got to say all kinds of naughty words on this week's episode um but anyway Mm -hmm. in terms of agreeing with benioff here um yes i agree that like if you stop wanting to make something then that's going to show in what you make I don't know if the always leave them wanting more is maybe the greatest justification for ending the series, but it's not the worst justification for ending the series either. Like it could have been way worse here, but uh, the idea of like, we want to end it at a place where we still want to make this show means that we're going to get like the heart and soul of this Game of Thrones crew kind of poured into these final episodes because that's all they get. So...
2: Yeah, I enjoy that. Yeah. Good, that's a good take. Yeah, thank and you. And how about you guys? Do you think it's a good justification? Let us know in the comments. I will read your comments. Happy to.
1: <laughs>
2: Julie Davies, of course, saying that they really do have awesome, awesome designs in medieval times. I agree. Although really, I mean, is Daenerys' coat anything you would have seen, seen it in, in actual medieval times? I'm not sure, but it sure does look great.
3: Exactly. Okay. It's a fantasy.
2: So there's some really cool things coming. I'm officially in hype mode that I will sus- try to sustain through the actual episodes. But it was also a big week for news about the prequels. We got information on the prequels that are coming. So we already knew that Naomi Watts is going to join the cast of the Game of Thrones Age of Heroes prequel in an unspecified role. Um, We now know that another lead character has been cast, a dude named Josh Whitehouse, who, I don't know, looks a little bit like Fionn after a shower. Um... (laughs) Now, I do not know this guy. He is on Pole Dark, Cheryl. He was on Poldark. He was on Pole Dark. You oh. watch Pole Dark. What's yeah. your what, what's your opinion of Josh Whitehouse? Is is he a, is he a leading man material? Uh, We're about his acting here. Yeah,
3: I know. I know what you what, uh, okay. what you're talking about. Right. So okay, uh, to plug myself a little bit here, I write about Pole Dark on Culturist. Okay, um, and I do in fact enjoy Pole Dark. But it, it's not that I didn't enjoy Josh Whitehouse so much as I just really kind of hated this character because this character wrote really really bad poetry. But he's got a very kind of sensitive air about
2: him. Okay.
3: Um, when he's acting as Hugh Armitage, um, you know, <laughs> and he gets to die dramatically and everything.
2: Laura says that she doesn't recognize him, and she watches pole dark. So yeah, the, he's, like, he's n- not a huge impression, maybe.
3: Yeah, he's Hugh Armitage. He's uh, Demelza's like side piece for like between seasons three and four. Sweet. Um. Yeah. Um. He is kind of hard to recognize in like normal people get up. So that sure. Makes sense. I mean,
2: yeah, he looks like you know. Yeah, a generic British, British dude. British guy. Yeah.
3: Um. Yeah. So Tasty. he's. Got he's got a bit, a bit of that sensitive, like, oh woe is me. Like he does that really well. Um so you know, if they cast him as one half of like some sort of star crossed lover thing, I will not be surprised by it. Interesting. Um but yeah, he's definitely like, you know, <laughs> he, he definitely has that he he suffers well. Okay in acting.
2: Like you, you do need to suffer on, in the Game of Thrones universe a lot of the time. Yeah,
3: yeah. He he, he does suffering well.
2: I played from Laura, uh, okay, I do know his character. Oh, that guy. I do know. Yeah, that right. guy. Yeah, <laughs> that
3: guy. Um, I legitimately forgot his first name for a long time. I, I was mean, just like, Lieutenant Armitage, <laughs> the dude with the curly hair who writes crappy poetry in Melza.
2: I mean, I'm encouraged that they are going with not an unknown, but I mean, certainly mm. not anybody who has some kind of big Hollywood cachet. Yeah. I mean, that's telling me that they wrote a part and that they looked for people and that they're like, oh, this guy is what we're looking for. Right. It's, Aiden, it's Aiden, not stunt casting yeah. at all.
3: Yeah. Aiden Turner, he is not. To name the lead Okay, yeah. I knew that. Coldark. I'm yes. aware of that.
2: Yeah. Good for me. Um, Proud of you, Dan. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, that, that tells me that, unsurprisingly, HBO is going to try and cast somebody who's going to be good for the role, not somebody who is, right. is a big name. They're not like casting Superman as uh, The Witcher, as uh, Geralt of Rivia and the, the Witcher, show, that kind of thing.
3: You're still salty about that, aren't you?
2: I'm not really salty at all about it, but I do think it's a bit... I mean, like, come on. It like, seems like a ratings play.
3: It seems mildly salty, and but I anyway.
2: Ma- I maintain that, that that Naomi Watts is a great actress, and not so much of a name that she overcomes anything. Yeah. Like, she's not playing, like, Wonder Woman or anything in the past couple of movies. Like no. I I... I, I She's a name, but she's not, like, a name. You know what I mean?
3: I would, unironically, watch Gal Gadot in anything. Oh, sure. That she's... if she wanted to do Game of Thrones, I might actually die.
2: She's so talented.
3: She is. Okay. Anyway,
2: go on. Okay. So that's fun. Good yes. casting news for the prequel. We also have George R.R. Martin confirming a few things. I suspect maybe outside of the purview of what HBO wants him to do. <laughs> this is pretty funny. Like, he had a blog post where he was like, so I've been calling this show The Long Night. This is the Game of Thrones prequel. Um, basically saying they've asked me to stop that uh, it has no title yet so sorry about that which is kind of hilarious like George Martin just getting out there calling it the long night never like going out and saying this is what it's called but doing everything up to that point yeah to the point where h had to slap him on the wrist and say like George you stop it it, does, it doesn't have a name yet <laughs>
3: George stop spoiling it for everybody <laughs>
2: He also keeps saying repeatedly, this is like the, 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 that they are still making, they're still developing other prequel shows. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean we'll see anything of them, but I get the idea that HBO kind of wants the impression that they've shelved this stuff and that they're not working on it anymore because they never mention it. And here comes George R. R. Martin on his blog being like, they're still developing these other shows. And I just think that's kind of funny.
3: George R. R. Martin has the money already. He does. He, he
2: can be constrained by no man. Yeah, I mean, what what are they going to have on him? He'll be fine. And he said he's still working on the Winds of Winter, but you know, that's he always says that. So we'll get to that when we have it.
3: George R. R. Martin is working on the Winds of Winter. Water is wet.
2: Oh my God. So what is Poldark on? Uh, PBS. At- PBS. Really, PBS. It is and on yes, PBS. Julie pointed out that I love Naomi. I kind of yeah. have I've been having a weird revelation about myself, Julie. It's an ongoing journey.
3: Yeah. And I'm here to support him every step of the way.
2: Anyway, any other thoughts on Game of Thrones Season 8 info or the prequel stuff? Because, no. again, it's pretty big news. No,
3: I'm, I'm, I'm good. I I said the words he suffers well, which wasn't something that I thought would come out of my mouth today. But here we are. Do
2: you have any idea who we could play, this Josh Whitehouse gentleman?
3: Uh... Like, the... I mean, there are a lot of pasty white people on Game of Thrones. That's Dan. very true. In Westeros. In Westeros. Like, the first
2: men are just pasty white people. They're, you yeah. know, like kind of. English a apologize to anybody watching who is English. It's not an insult. No. It's just... uh, It's it's the truth. Uh,
3: Yeah. No. I'm ready. Shall we go beyond the wall, Dan?
2: Let's go beyond the wall for a second. Talk about something that's not related to Game of Thrones, because you and I, we have interests. You all have interests. And there are other things happening in the world of uh, television, movies, and what's-it-what's. And Julie points out that yes, no one will stop Jerry from saying whatever he wants to. That's very true. And God bless him for it. Okay. Really briefly, I would like to rant for about a minute and a half about a show called The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm
3: getting comfortable. Go so on, Dan.
2: This show, been on for, I think, nine seasons now? Yes. About zombies, mm-hmm. people surviving in a world full of zombies. Very popular, or at least it was, uh, for a long time. And AMC, the network it's on, kind of teased for weeks that it was going to be to air the final episodes with Rick Grimes, the lead character played by Andrew Lincoln, a British person.
3: Another pasty British white guy. Go on. he he
2: wears it well. He's tan for that show Um, or something.
3: About as tan as a pasty white guy can get. I speak from experience on that. Go on, Dan. I interrupted your rant.
2: Okay. Anyway, uh, so they advertised that as his last episodes. Uh, This Sunday, an episode called What Comes After airs. Dude doesn't die. He gets wounded. Airs somewhere else. And then they announce, AMC announces they're going to make a trio of movies starring the lead character of The Walking Dead, Rick Grimes, and it's all like a back door to an extended Walking Dead universe. They envision specials, new series, and quite possibly high-quality digital content, and then some kind of the defy subscription at the moment. And Cheryl, I, I hate this idea. I think it's terrible. I think The Walking Dead has been on its last legs for, like, years now. Ratings are kind of plummeting at the moment. Mm -hmm. They're, like, down to season one levels. And this is the moment you want to trot out a new stable of shows, shorts, movies, digital content, and then kind of the defies description. What a stupid, horrible idea.
3: For those who listen on our podcast, which you can find on iTunes or Google Play or anywhere else you get your podcasts, I basically was like slouching in my chair and looking up the ceiling like, why did the universe decide to give us this?
2: I should say, Julie really enjoyed the last episode, so if you like Walking Dead, good for you. I yes. love that you like Walking Dead.
3: We're not hating on you for liking The Walking Dead.
2: We are hating on The Walking Dead a little bit.
3: Yeah, but we're not hating on the fans.
2: Of course. It's two separate things. And Chrissy agrees with me, though. Yeah, it is Christie's on my side.
3: It is kind of pants on head, isn't it? A that's little good. bit. That's, that's fun. It's a little it's a little pants on head.
2: I just don't get it. Like, why would they want to expand this way if ratings are going down so much? And frankly, the show creatively, I think, is taking a bit of a stumble, skinned its knee, bashed its head against a rock, and then tripped over a gun and shot itself in the stomach.
3: That's very specific. It but, is. Yeah. Um. So basically. I mean, The Walking Dead has kind of tried this before with Fear the Walking Dead. Which is, which is still on, isn't it? Which is still on somehow.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and so I think what they were trying to do was kind of have their cake and eat it too. Where they're like, oh, we're going to kill Rick, guys. You guys aren't prepared. He's going to be gone. And then we're like, oh, but Jake, hey, he's still going to be here. And you, you will still get your Rick Grimes goodness but just without him and having relationships with everybody else on the show that you also love. Um, The idea of a Walking Dead universe is patently hilarious to me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're going to have a a zombie apocalypse universe. Like, you can't... But but most of humanity is dead! Like, I've been informed that in the comics there's like a community of like 50,000 people. That is still surviving, or something like that. Um, I don't read the comics, so I could be a little bit wrong on that. So, Poughkeepsie. Uh, a little bit, but like, it, what? most of humanity is dead, guys. And like, now they're jumping forward six years into the future on oh, The are Walking Dead. Yeah, they are. And like this, this all just kind of reeks of desperation a little bit, especially because AMC has put so many eggs in the Walking Dead basket that like. They, they've, they've broken the eggs and now they're just desperately trying to make an omelet out of them.
2: Sure. I mean, to me, it reeks of ambition. I mean, y- y- if you're desperate, I, I it, it's starting to look like it's more time to end the show, not aggressively expand.
3: Yeah. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think I'm using the word desperate in the sense that, like, they're just trying to keep this IP alive for as sure. long as they can. Because, like... There was a time when Walking Dead
2: merch huge. could sell. Walking Dead was huge. Yes. and Like in the middle of its run, it was pulling in crazy numbers. Yeah. And Perhaps the merch is it. Maybe that's selling like better than we know.
3: Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> yeah, there's, there, there's something that reeks of we're trying to keep this going as long as possible you know, okay. to make this delicious omelet, if you will. Um, like in the album metaphor. Hey, I go with what I got. Um. So in that way Like it kind of I don't want to say It makes sense But I can kind of see What thought process May or may not have Gone into it I don't know
2: Fair enough I'm yeah. a little baffled But we'll see Oh I'm so baffled
3: <laughs> Trust I'm baffled
2: Oh and Julie says That'd be great of the show Like Talking Dead Based on GOT Oh thank you Julie I mean that's kind of What we have During the season When it comes on mm, Thank you true. I appreciate that and Christy Russell says that Christy Russell says that the zombie fad will go away, the way of the vampire fad, at some point.
3: I'm still heartbroken about the vampire fad, Christy.
2: That it ended, or that it was. That it ended. Okay. I really like vampires. <laughs> yes. That's You're, why I dress you are wearing like one. a lot of black.
3: That's why I dress like one every day.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, Cheryl, thanks for joining us. Of course. We'll be back here next week with you for more stuff. But right now, we're going to bring on Josh Hill for a new episode of A Song of Dan and Josh, the ongoing show. where We talk through a song of ice and fire. Before that, enjoy a little something, uh, in an ad sense. Terrible transitions. <laughs> oh Ned Stark, will you ever learn? <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. I'm Dan Selke, the editor at WinterIsComing.net, your one-stop shop for all things Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, and genre fiction in general. We here at Wick love bringing you news, reviews, and editorial content, and we're gonna keep doing all that stuff, however, for the especially hardcore among you, we're gonna start offering even more. Welcome to the Wick Club. The Wick Club is a Patreon-funded effort to provide fantasy and sci-fi fans with even more Wick content. You can join at several levels. For $1 a month, you can enter into monthly swag giveaways and get to read extra columns. At $4, you'll get to watch extra episodes of Take the Black Live, our weekly chat show, with topics chosen by you. Please be gentle. And at the Valyrian Steel level, that's a month, you get WIC Club t-shirts, and access to a new segment we're calling Drinking and Knowing Things, a monthly live stream where I drink wine and talk with all of you in a free-flowing conversation about Game of Thrones, fantasy, sci-fi, and whatever else comes up after I've had a few. Just to be clear, we're not gonna stop doing anything on WIC we already do, and we're hoping to add more stuff anyway. The WIC Club is a way to produce even more content, and hopefully to get to know some of you better. You can find links to more information below. We hope to see you in the Wick Clubhouse. Valer Morghulis, bottoms up, and thanks for watching. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that ad sense. I did. Um, Thank you. It was great. We're back with Josh Hill for A Song of Dan and Josh, the series where Josh and I go through every chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire, (laughs) George R. R. Martin's magnum opus. Uh, and just break it apart, it makes them work, what makes him tick, what makes him good, It makes him bad. Josh, how you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Uh, Finished that nice John chapter that yep. we
2: had. We're, I think, the final John chapter of A Game of Thrones, the mm. first book in the, sh- uh, in the series. Uh, John 9. Okay, so let's let's go right into it. Yeah. So this chapter's about, basically, Jon <laughs> Snow trying to leave the Night's Watch, mm-hmm. and then Jon Snow deciding to stay with the Night's Watch. Yep. So let's just like hit both sections one at a time. Why does John want to leave the Night's Watch?
0: Well, he just wants out, does he not? <laughs> like yeah. all the stuff that he's seen, and he just had an undead, iced zombie like tickle his throat with his fingers. So yeah, that would make me want to not be a part of whatever organization put me in that position. So but is that
2: why he wants to go? No, I think he. If, wasn't it something to do with Ned too? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Ned's dead. He wants to go help Rob. Take yeah. Back get revenge well yeah
0: well he's how he's going to help rob but like it's a collection of all of these things that have kind of like he's running away from school almost because mm-hmm. he isn't like he's a little kid so yeah that's why he wants to go he doesn't necessarily become successful
2: in that he gets talked out of it by his he gets talked out of it by, by his, his buddies. buddies and then his uh his fake dad yes true looking around on so the first chapter the first part of it is him just fleeing. He's not a horse. He has to barrel over Sam, who's like there saying, don't go. They'll catch him. And he's like, I don't know why, Sam. Poor Sam. And he feels pretty, yeah, poor, always poor Sam. And he feels guilty about that. But he's going anyway. And I mean, yeah. what, what I got was that he, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to leave. He feels like he has to. Mm. Because his dad, his fake dad, Ned Stark is dead. His brother, his fake brother. Rob is going to avenge his family. He's like, I have to help Rob. Rob's mm. my brother. Ned's my father, kind of um i am a stark kind of i have to go and devote myself to this noble cause Mm -hmm. and i i don't think he wants to leave i think he feels compelled by honor and all that (laughs) crap to leave yeah it's very very kind of knight errant of him and he has this long sort of thought about his life what it will be like now Mm -hmm. because remember abandoning the night's watch is a big deal like the first the first part of the book is ned executing a deserter yep. of the Night's Watch. And like his yep. crime is deserting. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Like you desert, you get killed. Like you, Cause you took, he said a vow and they love their vows up in this show. Uh, so John thinks <clears throat> he was who he was, Jon Snow, bastard and oathbreaker, motherless, friendless and damned for the rest of his life, right? However long that might be, he would be condemned to be an outsider. The silent man standing in the shadows who dares not speak his true name. Wherever he might go throughout the Seven Kingdoms, he would need to live a lie, lest every man's hand be raised against him. Whew! Dramatic. Okay, He's very dramatic. <laughs> like, I, I'd say almost melodramatic. Yo, definitely melodramatic. <laughs> oh my God. Like, basically, he thinks, like, I'm Clint Eastwood now, and, like, just he's going to be like this, <laughs> the man ap- I have no name with no name. <laughs> and, I mean, it, it's, it's partly true, because, again, like, a Night's Watch deserter is someone who is considered persona non grata in yeah. Westeros, mm-hmm. like... You don't do that. You made a value stick to it. But just the, the floridness of it, I think there is a part of it that's like, that's almost appealing. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're a moody teenager like John is, and the idea of being like, like I'm an outsider, no one understands me, I would be the man with no name. <laughs> like, there, there's a coolness to it. Yeah. That he's, he's like, this edge. is who I am. Yeah. Because he, he, he describes that way too lovingly. <laughs> he's, yeah,
0: I think he'd been thinking about that for a little while. Right. Obviously, because it's his own head, so he's literally thinking it, but...
2: yes. And like Laura says, right? The Stark Code of Honor. And yeah. I agree. I mean, he, 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 he he's compelled by real reasons. Yeah. Like, he wants to go and help his brother. But, I mean, I, I do wonder after reading that if there's a part of him that, like, kind of thinks it'll be cool to be, like, the cool outsider man in black Batman sort of dude. Anyway, his plan is to go join up with Rob and join the war effort. Yeah. And, uh, but he doesn't make, he doesn't make it. Why not? Because he gets talked out of it by his yeah. buddies.
0: And there's, there's a specific line... And you wrote it down, too, and it stuck out to me, which I've been saying is the general premise of all of the problems that we have on this show, mm-hmm. which is, and I can't remember it exactly if you have written down, but I'm paraphrasing that. It's like, it doesn't matter who's on the yeah. Iron Throne if a bunch of undead ice zombies are going to come kill everybody, yeah, which is exactly what I've been saying every single time something happens, like, Cersei blows up the sep. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh wow, she's so terrible. This is awful. It's like doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, these crazy ice zombies are coming for everybody, and like, it does not matter who's sitting on the throne. It doesn't matter.
2: Well, this this is pretty early on. Like people, the only people who really are keyed into the night, the White Walker thing, are is the Night's Watch, Mm -hmm. and that's said by Lord Commander Mormont. Mormont, who who yeah, who after so you know Jon's friends catch up with them, they 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 do a whole thing where they recite the night's watch oath to him and like we were saying at our post which is also kind of melodramatic brainwashing um, too do you think it's brainwashing a little bit <laughs> they're all reciting the vow back to him like well it's... they're trying to you know trying to impress upon him you yeah. made this vow yeah well i was going to ask what you thought about that do you think it was too melodramatic do you think apparently think it was brainwashing is <laughs> is is, is the night's watch a cult? I think it
0: very much is a call, but as we, as they at least pointed out at the end of all the melodramatic speeches and monologues and soliloquies that we had, uh, it's a necessary call. Like they are clued in. They're like, look, it doesn't matter what happens in Westeros. It does not happen. Like, look, it like sucks that your your fake dad's head got cut off, Mm -hmm. but he might end up being one of the lucky ones because he's not going to have to deal with the the White Walkers that are coming. So can't have a headless zombie, as far as it's I know. true. Well, we don't know yet. Yeah. That'd be pretty wild. But pretty the, cool. the, the point is Would watch. they're clued in. So as crazy mm-hmm. and as melodramatic and as sometimes maybe lame as it sounds that they're reciting the little Boy Scout thing <laughs> right back at John, they have a point. It's like, look, sure. we are the line of defense. Whether they know it or not, you need to know it and you need to be a part of it because you can be a strong chain yeah. in this lake. Totally so ultimately that's what it was. And it kind of got through it, through a lot of cheesy avenues, but ultimately that was the point. And I think that's what struck to John. He's like, look, I can be a hero and defend my family mm-hmm. or I can honor everybody. And the vow that and I made, that right? Yeah, and be, the vow that I made and protect everybody, not just my family.
2: Well, the funny thing is though, like it doesn't, like the the, the recitation of the vow doesn't, Super duper work because he mm-hmm. still thinks afterwards like, like okay they caught me I can't outrun them all I'm gonna yeah. go back but they can't watch me all the time I will find another time to leave. Yeah, it's Lord Mormont who actually brings him over mm-hmm. and it's like he by the way I knew you left like I didn't really care because like you think you're the first person to like want to abandon ship like you're not <laughs> yeah like and I I knew your friends would come and get you back and now you're here and then then he gives the line which was the key line that they said when dead men come hunting in the night. Do you think it matters who hits the iron throne? And that's I think the line after that is like, John had never thought about it that way before. <laughs> like that, that that's that's literally that's true. it. Which again is like a very again, let's always remember that he's 15. In I this, forget that, yeah, I do forget that, that. That he is very susceptible to wanting to be Batman and then <laughs> um and then, you know, having like someone says something pretty obvious and being like, ah, oh, well, that's <laughs> pretty cute. <laughs> Um, Julie, by the way, thinks that that Sam's Th- Citadel had be in trouble with the Night's Watch. Um, I'm not sure because he could still become a mace. I mean, he still become he's still a member. And also, yeah, it's gone anyway. So what's the point? Yeah. No. Um, I want to talk really briefly about the 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 whole oath thing because okay. I mean, at, at this point, his friends they don't know the extent of the White Walker problem. They don't want John to go because they're afraid he'll get caught and killed. Mm-hmm. And they have this whole oath thing. like oaths are so important in this story. I think partly because in, in medieval times, you know, as we've seen in this story, that it, it's not like we have a code of universally reliable law to rely upon to keep order in society. Mm-hmm. I mean today you know we, we all I mean there are criminals, but we all know the law. We know to like not cross on red, we know not to steal or not to cheating their taxes yada, yada yada yeah but i mean back in medieval times i mean you know it's no phones no faxes no computers it's hard to get transmission of it, it it's easier to be an outlaw and so things like oaths are taken seriously because that's the law like that's an important thing that binds society together mm-hmm. you make an oath you stick to it if you break it you die it's a very easy calculus yeah and i think they lean on it in this society because just the actual the actual legal system, which is go before a king and ask if he can help you, isn't that sophisticated, yeah. and not always terribly reliable, especially if the king is somebody like Joffrey.
0: Like Joffrey, yeah. So
2: you've gotta rely on these oaths, and that's why they're taken so seriously, mm-hmm. because they're a really important unit of functional medieval society in the absence of things that we take for granted. Yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right? Yeah. I thought it was great. <laughs> that is my uh, legal summation. And yeah, Christy points out, Sam's best friends run, Rudge left of the Night's Watch. I think he's good. Very good yeah. point. Dolores, Ed is still there. But yeah, um, well, Sam doesn't really do much in this chapter. He uh, he strives to stop John. He fails when he gets the guys and he goes. Mm-hmm. By the way, in the books, Sam, or on the show, rather, I don't know if you remember, Sam actually rides out with them. Mm. In the books, he doesn't oh. because he's a fat, clunky man and it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to, like, be riding hard after John. <laughs> In the books, he just goes and tells them. He tattles. Oh, he tattles. And then they go and get him. Anyway, what's next? Okay. So, yeah, he talks to their Lord Commander Mormont. Yep. Who just basically lays out what we've already said. That when the dead men come hunting the night, do you think it matters? What's there? And Jon Snow's like, oh, great. And then he tells them, we're going beyond the wall. We're going to find out what happened to Benjamin Stark. We're going to go out there. We're going to discover what needs discovering. And you're going to come with me. How is that as an ending to Jon Snow's journey in this book? Because this is the last chapter we get from this book.
0: I feel like it's kind of fitting for his overall arc of searching. He's searching for himself and he ends his story here Mm -hmm. literally on a search. What is the answer to the questions that we have? And Mm -hmm. his question is, unbeknownst to him who well, i mean not unbeknownst to him but who am i and the answer is even more cataclysmic nice than he could that. even think but yeah and then he's literally ending on a search and it's kind of family related too, because uncle Benjamin. so he's he's going out in search yeah. of himself his family these answers so i kind of thought it was a, a fitting ending to both his story and a, it's like we talked last week that hook we're finishing the last sure. 15 minutes of the movie and setting up the sequel. This is a little bit of window dressing
2: oh, yeah, where he's going to go. It's definitely good setup. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you want to know what's beyond the wall, tune in for the next book. Like, yeah. we're going to go out there and find out. And we do. We do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, about family, I think that Lord Commander Mormont is also, he's not literal family, mm-hmm. but th- they draw the, you know, substitute father-son connection pretty strong in this yeah. book. Like he gives John Longclaw, his Valyrian steel sword. Right, yeah. He even carves the pommel into a direwolf for him. That sword was meant for his actual son, Jorah. From Jorah. Who skedaddled when he sold slave. So and I really, remembered
0: that part from when in this most recent season when mm-hmm. the big Ice Island episode with the mm-hmm. where Longclaw right, Longclaw comes yeah. back and Jorah's there and
2: And John um, offers it to
0: him. Yeah. So he's that's like, what I thought nah. when
2: yeah. this happened here. Yeah, Jorah is his son. So really, I mean, by giving Jon the sword meant for his actual son i mean nah. how much more symbolic do you need it to be yep. like it's a surrogate father-son <laughs> kind of thing i mean john like a lot of kind of epic heroes who are kind of wanderless, collects sort of father figures i mean like ned obviously a father figure yep. lord commander mormont obviously a father figure later mance raider will kind of uh, spill in stannis yep. is a bit of that too we'll get all to that later so he he picks him up like crazy and this is definitely one so we're done with john's story the whole thing so from start to finish in this book what do you think of it is it like one of is, is john's story the reason to read a game of thrones
0: um i came into the show thinking that john was the reason to watch that john it was gonna be really? John's story yeah i don't know maybe because i was equating it to Again, this was before we knew how it was going to zig and it was going to zag. But like it was kind of like that Luke Skywalker story sure. where here's the young chap who's going to go and become a man and this is his journey through his ascension to the highest whatever. And it didn't end up being the case. And then I was kind of, I, so maybe I wasn't looking at that much in this book, but I felt like he was kind of a background character to the bigger things. I felt that character's like even Arya had bigger moments in the book. Rob was the same way where he's kind of a background character. He's he's in and he's out. catlin's chapters really stood out to me in ways that John's didn't
2: Daenerys's uh, I think were strong in this one. Daenerys I mean, feels you know, more
0: like a main character. She got married,
2: uh she became like a queen of the barbarian people and mm-hmm. then her husband died and then she's gonna have dragons. It feels yeah. like she has a pretty big arc in this one.
0: Yeah, and even uh Sansa stuck out a little bit to me too. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned ned well beyond the obvious of ned i mean like, <laughs> sure. i think that 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 almost goes without saying because like he he was propped up to be the main character of the right. story of, in the show even though well 2010 the sean bean effect was very much alive <laughs> like mm-hmm. at that point it was very much a joke like how many times yeah. does sean bean have to be in a movie <laughs> and it's guaranteed that he's gonna die so that's that's actually I, I was a little surprised in the show why everybody was like oh my god He's dead. They killed Ned Stark. I was like, of course he's played by Sean Bean. What do you expect? <laughs> he doesn't survive anything that he's in. So, yeah. So, with Ned, I got main character vibes off of him, too. And then Daenerys. So, John felt very right. much like a background character. Not that you shouldn't be invested in the story because no, of I did not. get I mean, he's the arcs. obviously. Here, yeah. It wasn't. Tyrion, too. We it,
2: thought we had some good stuff.
0: Yeah. But, John is very much into the background, back burner.
2: I felt that way, too. I, I think this is probably maybe it might be John's weakest leg cuz like this not a ton happens to mm-hmm. him here. No. He gets to the wall, it sucks for a while, it gets a little <laughs> better. He tries to leave but then he doesn't.
0: <laughs> then he comes back.
2: It's like yeah, I Ellen mean, c- com- compared to again, like someone like Daenerys or Ned who, you know, Ned ends up dying, which is mm-hmm. pretty big. Daenerys, you know, gives birth to dragons and loses her husband. It, it's it's pretty low key. But I mean, you know, John's a slow burner. He'll he'll become more prominent in 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 the later books. And Karen, I, I wish I could read this entire comment, Karen, but Facebook isn't letting me. Mormont also says, all I know is the blood of the First Men flows in the veins of the Starks. And then you say more, and Facebook cuts it off. But he does say that. And it's its yeah. whole idea of, um, uh, you know, the Starks being particularly important metaphysically mm-hmm. to the story, to the battle against the White Walkers. And Mormont wanting a Stark descendant, which John is, just not from the Starky things. thinks. Um, on the journey north, because he's like, just historically and sort of mystically important. It's like some weird Matrixy stuff, like Second Matrix, old guy in the <laughs> in the room of TVs, being like, "Yes, this is all metaphysically." That stuff's always in the background here. Yeah, like I had an example here. Like, uh, remember the moment it was kind of cute when um, uh, John's trying trying to find him. And he's like hiding with his horse mm-hmm. in um a thicket. I don't know, and ghost like barks. And yeah. John's like traitor. It's <laughs> <Just> cute. <laughs> like, there's a whole theory about like the Stark's relationship, relationship with their direwolves and how oh. they're kind of like mental extensions of them. Mm. And I'm like, you know what, John? You wanted to be found deep down, <laughs> and ghosts just kind of give voice to that. There you go. That's this really dorky head uh, tinfoil thing. Any other thoughts, Josh, on the final John chapter in the Game of Thrones? No really quick really fast i just want to impart some vocabulary wisdom to everybody out there Ooh, yes okay the vocab um, Let's do it. moonlight silver to the hills not really vocab but silver as a verb do it more often it's nice <laughs> um and also john mentions he doesn't want his horse to get injured or blown i didn't know this a blown horse is one that's like ridden to its limit because apparently horses <laughs> yeah. will die if it's like run forever and then yeah. die I, yeah. I didn't know that i needed to double back on that one too i was like
0: excuse me john what <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: a I read the back. I was like a blown horse. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, that makes so sense. yeah, like a blown dirty. tire. So it's, you're yo, blown perfect. out of tire. Yeah, what if that's, no, that's not where it's from. Just tire literally blows out. Never mind. Yeah, but. so that's interesting, and uh, yeah, that's about it for John Nine. I yeah. think next is, is 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 next the last chapter. No, I think we have a Catelyn, and then we have Daenerys is the last chapter of this book. Oh, but yeah, we're pretty much done, Josh. We have two chapters to go. Then it's the new book. Then it's a clash of kings. Oh, yes. Although I think we'll do one episode. We just look back on the whole thing and do a little post-mortem. Say Uh,
0: goodbye to Game of Thrones.
2: Thanks for joining us. Oh, Laura thinks that Stillfield John is is descended from the Night King. Oh, very interesting. And Julie Davies, thanks, guys, and thanks for a great show once again. Yeah. You didn't say hi to everybody, though. I didn't, and I was thinking about
0: that the whole (laughs) show. I was waiting. Every single time you asked me a question, I was going to say, this is the time I'm going to say hi, and then I'd fly into a point, so... Hi, everybody. Bye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Okay. And Laura says that blown horse is a racehorse term and a Song of Ice and Fire term, apparently. Anyway, thanks for watching, everybody. We'll be back next week with more Game of Thrones news, more Song of Ice and Fire tidbits, more Song of Dan and Josh, more Beyond the Wall fun. Thanks for watching, and see you next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central on our Facebook page. Adios.